glory to God. How are you guys all tonight? So good, so good, so good. Well, you know what? Coming here tonight is, is sort of funny because you know my passion is for transformation, for inner healing and rhema and all of that, right? So here I am on a Wednesday, just a couple days after we had that amazing conference with Trisha Frost, right? And, and all the work that we did in this area, really. And of course, you know, I'm not gonna come here without asking God, Lord, what do you wanna do? And I'm thinking, we did so much, of course there's always more to do, right? Because we have layers and layers and layers of stuff that God wants to just get rid of to f help us find our true selves in Him. And so, of course, I asked the Lord, okay God, what would you like to do tonight, right? So I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, Father, it was such a great conference, and Trisha just did so much, Lord, and I just, I remember going under the limbo stick as we just left that behind, and God, we just moved into the new thing that you're doing. Father, what would you like to do? And I just began to pray in tongues, right? Which is, if you don't pray in tongues, don't leave tonight without getting the gift of tongues, okay? But you know, whenever you pray in tongues, you, you know God's gonna speak to you, right? And so I just sat quietly just praying in tongues, waiting for him to, to just, you know, let me know, because of course I really want to know. I don't want to repeat what just happened at, on the weekend, right? And I'm wanting to make sure that you get what God has for you tonight, because this is what this is about. This is about you, right? This is not about me. This is about you. This is about the love that God has for you and how he wants to minister to your heart tonight. And so I just said, Lord, you know, what would you like to do what now, God, you know, now that we've done all this? And I felt like I heard the Lord say, let go. Let go, teach and train in this area of letting go, letting go. So I thought, letting go, didn't we already do that on the weekend, did we let go? And, and this, this message is, is for us that we're here on the weekend but also for anyone that wasn't here on the weekend or is watching online, and we bless our pastors that are watching online and all of the lovely ones that are watching online everywhere. Hallelujah. And so, so let's just begin and just jump into that and see what God wants to do. We're just gonna unpack that, right? Yeah. Thank you for being such an amazing body of Christ and, and such great brothers and sisters. I mean that with my whole heart. You're awesome, it's so good to journey with you. It really is. So I wanna start with a scripture, just to plug us in so that we know we're standing on legal ground, because that's really important. Whenever we're believing for something from God, it's very important that we feel like we are standing in a solid place, right? Because if we just go to God with our hopes, you know, we might feel a little shaky on that, but when we know we're standing on something that he's already given to us, then we know we're good, right? We, should all, we all know that, everyone in this house knows that. You all know that, right? So, so what's the verse that you're standing on in your circumstance? And so Galatians 4 was one of the verses that Trisha talked about, and it is, and because you really are his sons, and we know that word sons applies to men and women, right? right? It's sort of a firstborn status kind of a thing, right, that we understand in our cultures. And because you really are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 
Therefore, you are no longer a slave, a bondservant, but a son, and if a son, then also an heir, an heir through the gracious God of, through the gracious act of God through Christ. God has declared over you that you are a son. He said you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a bondservant, you are a son. You're a son. Now I know from working in Rhema and having my own Rhema where Jesus has spoken truth to me and yet I fall back sometimes into an old pattern of thinking, right? I think almost every single person in this room has had a Rhema, right? You know, you know, you've had either, either you've had an official rhema or you've just heard from the Lord concerning your circumstance and he's called you victorious and you went into your prayer closet and you felt like it was over. And God showed you a verse and you left that closet and you went, wow, okay, good, I got this, right? And then we, we leak. Yeah. <laughs> My word, it just doesn't sound very pleasant, but <laughs> just... <laughs> We're like sieves in a way, right? It just sort of happens, right? But this is scriptural that it happens because the Bible says that if you don't abide in the vine, you know, what's gonna happen? You're gonna wither up and die, right? So it's kind of what happens, right? So even though it's only been a couple days, you know, the Lord wants to make sure that there's no leaking happening in this room tonight, okay? So we're gonna go over some things because when he said to let go, he was talking, I believe, about letting go of that orphan mindset or that slave mentality. Even though we've walked into sonship and we are sons, we are sons. That is our rightful place, we're sons. And God says many wonderful things about us, but if we don't appropriate what he said, if we don't take it, and allow it to transform our thinking. You've heard this message so many times before, okay? If we don't do that, then what happens? We can fall back into our old way of thinking, our old patterns, right? You know when you, you put a stake next to a new seedling and that thing grows up and it's staked on either side, what's gonna happen? It's gonna grow nice and tall and straight, right? But I've got this stubborn tree in my backyard, okay? And for some reason, that guy just wants to grow like this. He literally wants to grow on a diagonal. And you know, Dom is constantly trying to tie this thing up and get it to stand upright, right? And as long as it's there, it stands upright. And then the winds blow, and I think the tree just has a will of its own, right? It just breaks loose and it falls back into that crooked mindset. And off it goes like this until we stake this thing to come back up. And so this is so true for us, right? That even though we have everything, it's done, the cross, finished. Many of you evangelists in this room that are way more proficient than I am of delivering the message of salvation and what the cross accomplished for us. That is a finished, done work. And yet we can slip back in to those old ways of thinking. We can. And so, so let me just give you the definition because I think this helps to illuminate the point when we hear what actually let go means. And let go actually implies something, doesn't it? It implies holding on, doesn't it? Right, when you think about it, it's like you're holding on. Because letting go should be easy, right? 
Except that when we let go, it means that we actually have to stop holding on, yeah. right? Stop holding on to something. I don't know what it is that you're holding on to, but the Lord does, okay? And his desire is to bless us tonight, to give us the grace for one final push over the edge that he thinks we need. And he's a good, good papa, so he knows what he's talking about. So let go. Let go means to release or loosen one's grip on something or someone. For example, to let go of the reins. Hmm. It also means to allow something or someone to go free, as in to let go of a hostage, to let them go free. I love what psychology today has to say. This is amazing. This is the secular world, not realizing that they're hitting on spiritual things, okay? Psychology today has this to say in one of their journals. Letting go means, be, means being willing to allow life, AKA the Holy Spirit, okay? Right, we would say the Holy Spirit. It means allowing life to carry you to a new place. Letting go means allowing the Holy Spirit to carry you to a new place. Emphasis on new place. Okay, how do you feel about new places? Some of you are super exciting, uh, excited. Other of you get you know travel anxiety when you have to go somewhere. You're not so keen on having to go, right? So Holy Spirit wants to take us to a new place. And get this, even a deeper, more true rendition of self. Letting go means being willing to allow the Holy Spirit to carry you to a new place, even a deeper, more true rendition of self. This is what this is all about tonight, okay? There is a place called you that you have not been to yet. There's a place called you that you have not been to. The Bible says that our true self is hidden in Christ. That's what God says. Your true self, my true self, not even sure if I know her. I mean, I know this version of Jenny, but I know that there's more. Trisha Frost said to me on the weekend, come out of hiding. I'm like, okay. totally does resonate at some level, but I don't know how to do that. And then she said, there's a place called rest beyond trust. There's a place called rest beyond trust. Yeah, wow. Because it's all about trusting God, right? I trust you, Lord. I believe God. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, maybe not because I'm not resting. I'm striving in my believing, right? but there's a place called rest that God is calling us to, and in that place, can we find this, this true rendition of who we are, or our true selves? And you are familiar with her or him, depending on what your gender is. You already know him. You already know her. You already know who she is. You already know who he is. It's that longing on the inside for the greatness that you know is there. That longing that you have for the dream that you might not even have words to express except you know 
that you've asked this question, is this all there is? There must be more than this. That's because there is, there is. But we're never gonna get there unless we're willing to go to the new place that God is taking us to. And he says, and sorry, um, Psychology Today says, holding on means trying to push life. This is holding on now. Holding on means trying to push life into the place of your making. Letting go, letting go. You know, the nesty plunge, right? Just letting go. You know, maybe for some of us, letting go means that we can lift our, wow, lift our arms in worship, you know? Or what, you know, there's just so many levels of letting go. You know your own level, okay? But holding on means trying to push life, push your relationships, right, into the place of your making. That's not letting go of the reins, is it, right? But you know what it is? It's definitely holding yourself hostage. You are literally, we are literally holding ourselves hostage. We're holding ourselves hostage. Why would we do that? Hmm. So, so we have these two opposing mindsets. We have this sonship mindset, because we are, we're sons. We're, we're all those things that she, she talked about. You know, all those wonderful things. Let me just see if I can find, I wrote some of them. Uh, on the back of something, probably. Oh well, somewhere. One of the things that she said is a character of sonship is that you're really excited for other people's success. Right, that you have such a sense of the fact that you are loved by God that you love out of abundance. You just love out of abundance. You give out of abundance. You serve out of abundance. That's, that's the mindset of a son. But an orphan mindset is that you, you lack. You don't have, and so you have to hang on. You can't be happy for someone else because the pie is only so big and you got the bigger piece. Now my piece is smaller because you just got blessed. That, that's not God right? It's not even a good version of us, because we actually really love to take care of people. You don't have to be pastoral to get pleasure out of giving to other people. We, we all love to give, right? We do. We do. So God, God wants us to choose. He wants us to choose. He wants us to let go of the familiar. That would be what you're used to right now. That's very familiar, Right? Like an old pair of jeans, probably do things very, very similar. There's a lot of repetition. That's probably why you're so bored in your life, right? Right? Because we're so familiar. And he's always asking us to come out of our comfort zone, step out and do something bold. But the longer we sit in the land of familiarity, the harder it is to be, to be bold. I, I keep wanting to go off on this tangent, but I'm gonna try really hard not to. But if you hear the name of Jah, then you know I went on a tangent, okay? So <laughs> I'm sticking, sticking to the notes here. Glory to God. So 
So my, my story is that I, I grew up in Fort Erie, right? I grew up in this little town and, you know, I had a, my family and my family had a business and my identity was so much attached to my family. And that's normal though, right? Like when you're growing up, that's, that's normal because you don't, what else do you know? You don't, you, you're actually trying to differentiate yourself from your siblings. So a lot of that is normal stuff that you get your identity or your context out of the family that you grow up in, right? Great. The only problem with that is it's not transferable to any other community. Like if you move out of town, nobody knows who you are. Okay? You can't bring your family with you. You can't bring that with you, right? So I, I went to university. I graduated. I lived in this big city all by myself. And nobody knew me. And nobody knew my family. And my friend that knew me, so two people who knew me, she came from a really wealthy family. So... So whatever I had was like potatoes in comparison to her. It just didn't really matter at all, which was okay, because it actually produced a lot of anxiety in me that turned out to be really good. Because God was basically exposing this false thing that I was basing my life on, this mindset that I had about who I was, right? And when that's stripped from you, if you don't know the king of kings as your father and you only know him as God, then you're naked, right? Because to, be to be an orphan is to be without a father. That's what an orphan is. And or orphans don't have fathers. So even though I loved my family, as soon as I realized that my identity meant nothing because I didn't know my true identity, I'm left with this feeling of isolation and aloneness. That's very anxiety producing, right? That's, that causes stress, 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 because that's a normal thing to feel, right? You know, a little girl, a little boy that gets lost in the department store, can't find their mother and father, what do they do? Start screaming, right? They start panicking, generally speaking, because they, they recognize they're by themselves. So if you're struggling with anxiety, you know, maybe that's got something to do and the Lord is gently, although anxiety doesn't feel that way, gently trying to direct you to him. And I would say that that's what happened, you know, with my one friend who came from a very devout, happened to be Catholic family, right? And she and her family led me to the Lord and led me kind of into scripture and prayer and all of that, and I, I started to really find myself. Isn't that odd to say, you know, when you're 19 years old and you're finding yourself? Some days I feel like I'm still looking for her, though. I don't know about you, but some <laughs> days I feel like I'm still on a search for where is Jenny, you know, like where's Waldo? You know, it's just like some days, depending on what my day is like, you know, or my week, or what lie I'm listening to, you know, right? Or truth be told, if I haven't spent enough good time soaking, right, then I, I can wonder, I can start drifting about, about who she is, right? The answer is always in the Lord. So you have a story too. I, I know you have a story, right, of, of how you kind of came to the Lord and how you came to sonship, right? you know, how you came to realize, maybe it was just this past weekend, where you went, oh, wow, okay. So God is actually a father, 
What does that mean? I guess that means I'm a son, and on and on and on it goes, because we have so many good natural examples of that. We get it, don't we? We know what that, what that means, right? We know what that means. We know what it means yeah. in the natural. And so, you know, God is just, you know, being the good God that he is, making sure that we get it. So what he wants to do tonight to help us let go? And this is by way of encouragement, okay? So this is not a bar that you have to measure up to that I'm gonna share with you, okay? This is not a standard that you have to compare yourself to. Is he, we're gonna share, um, he and I, God and I, we're gonna share, we're gonna share some stages of sonship. Okay, five stages of sonship. Now, there's gonna be lots of information here, and so the purpose is not that you try and write everything down. Please don't do that, because then you're gonna get frustrated. And for every single feature that I give you, there's a scripture verse to back every single one, but I'm not gonna give those to you, because I know you're gonna start writing everything down as soon as I do that. So if you need a scripture verse for anything I say, come and talk to me after this message, and I'll happily give it to you and give you the link where you can get more information, okay? But basically, I'm just gonna give you a general sense of these stages. And, and how this was developed is because the word son or child in Greek, because we're talking about the New Testament scriptures here exclusively, that word son in Greek actually has a bunch of different ways of, you know, we would say son, but in Greek there's many different ways of expressing the idea. And so, I'm not a theologian, thank God for people who really search out the scriptures and the depth of the meaning of the yeah. you know, original text, right? And basically noticed that the different ways of saying son or child actually look like they contain um, a development within them. Kind of like going from milk to meat, you know the scripture that says when you were a baby you had milk, so that when, when that word for son or child is described, it's different than when God talks about the son who can eat meat. So they notice this development, this spiritual development, if you will. And so my point in sharing this with you tonight is just so that you can hear where you kind of maybe sort of fit, okay? Not that you would put yourself in a box, because I'm not even saying that this is conclusive, you know? everybody goes through these five stages. But I was really impressed when I found these, and I thought, wow, this is really worth sharing because I feel like it is very, very encouraging. You know, you can look from where you've been, maybe you're in stage one, and that's okay, and you can go, oh, no wonder I feel the way I do. (laughs) Okay, this is good. And you can look ahead maybe to the next stage and say, thank you very much for the markers, now I know what I'm aiming for, right? Instead of feeling like, Sometimes we're sort of wandering through not knowing what the heck is going on. But before we launch out, I wanna give you one verse because there's no such thing as us wandering through not knowing what we're, what's going on. And it's Philippians 1, 6, which basically says that God is faithful to complete the good work that he started in us, okay? He started it and he's gonna finish it, okay? So we're somewhere on this trajectory. We're somewhere on this course, God began it, and he's gonna finish it. And in the meantime, we're supposed to trust and rest. Tonight we're gonna actually look and see if we can identify a little bit of where we might land. Does that make sense? So don't try and write everything down, just listen, 
And I'm not even gonna give you the Greek names for the sons, five different names of the sons because I can't pronounce them, so. It would, it would not be good, it would not be good. Stage one is what we're gonna call the first son, okay? So, <laughs> stage one. So stage one, here we go. This son has an inheritance only positionally, only positionally, because of immaturity. So this son has not been able to appropriate what belongs to him or her. So for example, if you're a minor, your parents leave you a million dollars, thank you very much, but you can't even touch it right? You're too immature. They're not going to give you access to that at all. You don't even know it's there, maybe. They're not telling you. Or if you're younger, you don't even care. What's a million dollars? All I want is a chocolate bar. You have no perspective. And really, we can be like that with the things of God. It's like, we don't, we don't even get it. Like, what's the value? You know, like, how does this thing work? You know, you know I'd rather just take a gun and go rob a, a candy store. I know that sounds absurd, but for some people, that works, right? It's fast action, they get a good result right away, unless they get caught. Okay, not saying that you should do that, but you understand what I'm saying. So this child, however, is influenced by, very, influenced by various circumstances. So very, very, very influenced by things around you. Not a lot of like strength or stability there, right? You sorta are impacted by various teachings, right, offended, whatever's going around, right, maybe even like the flu, right, it's going around and you pick it up, right, this child is given to jealousy, quarreling, divisions, and boasting, this child is um, seeking excellence in spiritual gifts, which sounds very honorable, without excelling first in love, this one should be asterisized, if that's such a word. We should draw a big circle around this, okay? We're seeking excellence, which is very, very good. We should seek excellence, right? Excellence is, is really, really a healthy thing, right? Excellence is simply, what's excellence, ESR students? <laughs> excellence is, is basically doing the best that you can not comparing yourself to anybody else, comparing your today to your yesterday, right? Or comparing your potential to your output. What am I actually giving out? What am I actually practicing? Does that meet my potential? If it's not, then we might say that was an excellent. And we might have lots of reasons for that. But this person is basically, this son is looking for excellence, but not excelling first in love, right? Not just love of others, which is obvious, right? that your motivation should be that you just want to help somebody out, not that you hope that pastor saw you helping them out, right? You know, that sounds, you know, that's just real, right? So, it's just real. So, um, yeah, and, and obviously we want to progress to the place where we're doing things because we love God so much, right? And we love ourselves so much, right? We're doing things excellently because we love ourselves, Right, because we are honoring the gift in us, and so we want to honor that gift by doing it really well. That's, that's a good thing. So this son, let me just bite the bullet here, guys. This son is only able to assimilate milk and not the meat of the word. He is untrained, unskilled, inexperienced in the word of righteousness. And so he's underdeveloped in spiritual things, okay, 
He's undeveloped in the ability to discern between good and evil. That's actually a spiritual gift that as you mature, you get. So we shouldn't judge people, right, that don't have that. But in the beginning, because you are not experienced in the word or in truth, then you don't have that spiritual gift really developed in you either, that gift of discernment. So this child is usually self-absorbed. You know, it says here, making sounds of whining, for example, right? Is a sound that might come out of this child, right? And is in need of spiritual fathering. Spiritual fathering from an earthly spiritual father. So from a pastor, right? From a mentor, from someone, from someone. In order to unveil, unveil the measure of the stature that's within them. So there is greatness in the child in diapers, right? That's making a mess everywhere that you might be frustrated with because they sit in the seat next to you or they live in your house. But there's greatness in them and spiritual fatherhood is what brings that forward because it's there. It just needs, it needs the safety of love in order to bring it out. Otherwise, we're hiding, right? We're avoiding going to that new place where our true selves will be discovered. Okay, so if you're here, and you know what, like truthfully, I, pr- I probably checked off a few boxes in every stage, right? I'm like, okay, Lord, where am I? <laughs> but anyways, ah, given to occasion, occasional emotional outfer- outbursts. Okay, next page. <laughs> so that's, that's stage one. Let's just say, say thank you, God, I'm in stage one. If that's where you are, because you could be out in the dark, in the wilderness, all by yourself, in the world, trying to make it on your own, not even connected to the family of God, right? So if this, is, if this is where you're at, this is not something to feel ashamed of, right? But instead to just go, okay, I get it, wow. I thought that was just random behavior, but now I kind of understand. Not going to do that anymore. Just show me though, Jenny, what am I supposed to do? So stage, in stage two... This child starts to know the nature and character of the father and develop intimacy with him. Okay, so like, you don't even know that God is a father at first. You heard about Jesus and he's your entry point to salvation, but father, right? That's like a whole nother level. I mean, you know that he's there in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You maybe have heard that if you're a Catholic, right? But you don't necessarily know him as Father. So part of the normal development of every single believer is that we would come to this place where we go, oh, there's a Father. I have a Father. Wow. Okay, I'd like to get to know him as a Father. So start. Let's start, right? This child starts to understand how blessed they are to walk with God. They, they start to know what it is to humble themselves and they learn to deal with pride. So if you don't know, like if the person you're sitting next to, you would say has a pride problem and they don't know they have a pride problem, they can't buy it honestly, right? Because part of our normal development is that we would wake up one day and go, oh, that, that sounds like pride. Right. I need to humble myself. Well, how do I do that? Holy Spirit. You're the author and the finisher. You're faithful to finish what you've begun. So you're gonna show me how to do this. I don't have to stress over this. This child begins to experience God as father, right? 
and grows in strength and wisdom and grace, obviously. But a really important thing here is there's a major need for uh, redevelopment of our thinking. Our our mind is thinking stuff that's not even accurate in the kingdom of God. Like it's better to give than to receive. That that's not even you have to learn that, right? right? You learn that. So you first hear it and then you practice and you see it in operation with other people and you start going, oh okay. It's maybe frustrating in the learning process occasionally, but still it's a learning process. How'd you learn how to ride a bike? You, You know, you didn't just think it. You actually got on it, you tried, you pedaled, you fell off, you got back on, you tried again, you know, your parents felt sorry for you, you put training wheels on, you know, <laughs> right? And eventually you got it, right? But you had to learn that. And so same thing with our mind, and this is important, especially concerning our giftedness. And, and how true is this? Like so many young people in university, college, high school haven't got a clue, right? They have no idea what they're gifted at doing. No, no idea at all. Don't know, and they're supposed to fill out an application and start the rest of their life on some kind of course that's supposed to be related to what they're called. Well, they don't know that they're even called, right? They don't know that God has a call. They just believe what their parents told them. You can be anything you wanna be, honey, when you grow up. That is not true. You can if you want a life of striving and toiling and sweat, right? But if you go for what God wants you to be, then it's a life of hard work, but there's joy in the effort, right? And so, so this, this person, this child, is being trained up in their thinking and understanding of what their own personal gift set is. What is my contribution? Oh, I have a contribution? I thought it was all about me, right? I thought my gifts were for me. I thought my gifts were gonna make me a million dollars and then I was gonna have a cottage and a beachfront property and a nice car and a motorcycle. What else should I ask for, Sandy? Santa Claus. (laughs) Anyways, so this child has difficulty understanding the will of God and doesn't get how it applies to their life. Like, God, you're gonna make me go to Africa? I don't know, God, no, if I choose you, I'm gonna have to go do something I really don't wanna do. Like that toil, that clearly doesn't understand the nature. Been there, done that, right? The nature of God, that he's good. And anything that he would say, if he's saying go to Africa, you're gonna have the best time of your life, right? The absolute best time of your life. Okay, so the next stage is stage three. This son, is everybody good? You're good, okay? Okay, so, so just be listening for, for phrases or words that you feel like are resonating with you rather than trying to catch everything, right? Because we're gonna probably do a little bit of repenting at the end, and feel free to repent anywhere along, okay? <laughs> Don't wait for an invitation to repent. If you catch yourself, okay, just go right ahead and do it, okay? So just quietly under your own breath, Lord, forgive me. Okay, so the next, the next stage, this son is fully conscious This is huge, okay? This next point is like gigantic, okay? This son is fully conscious that his sins have been forgiven and has no guilt or condemnation. I don't know about you, but I suffered for a long time under guilt and condemnation. I mean, I knew that God loved me, so I thought I knew, like there's layers of, no, of knowing this, okay? I just heard Kenneth Copeland teaching at a minister's conference, 
And he said, you say that you know that God loves you, but you don't. He's talking to a room full of ministers, okay? Not newbies, not stage oneers or stage twoers, okay? He was challenging them with this. And so it, it took me a long time to be able to let go of the need to pay the price for my sins with guilt, right? Penance, right? It took me a long, 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 long time to get it. Wow, John 3:17 hit me like a two by four. Seriously. I was like, what? 3.16, you know 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, right? But I'm trying so hard to perform, trying to be a perfectionist, right? Which is the not spirit of excellence, by the way, right? Trying to perform, and then in 3.17, I realized Jesus is not judging me. Wow, I thought that was his job. Okay, so when Jesus only does what the Father's doing, so the Father's not judging me either? Why am I killing myself? Yeah. Right? Amen. What am I doing? Yeah. Hello? Right? And then there's a shift, yeah. and everything follows suit right, right after that. Hallelujah. Then the next thing about this son is that he has a legitimate and valid relationship with his, with his father. Like, this is based on love, right? It's not based on works anymore. Like, I'm going to go to hell, so I better work really hard because I don't, you know, got to make sure, because the blood of Jesus, you know, might not have been enough. Maybe I have to add just a little bit of sweat to the blood, and then I can get in. But with this, you have a, a valid relationship. You get it. This son has, uh, is, able, is really able to begin to overcome sin, right? Overcome temptation to sin. This son is um, flourishing in love for others, the more you know that you're loved, the safer you feel to love others, right? It's okay to give. And this son, this is a biggie, this son submits his own ambition and will in subjection to a spiritual father. This son submits his own ambition and will in subjection to a spiritual father. So this is, this is a, a progressive thing to get to this place, right? Where you are able to do that. Submit yourself to another human being who might be younger than you or might be the opposite gender of you or might have a lot less money than you have or might just have no credentials behind their name except they're a pastor. That's not here in this house, but you understand. Wow. So this son... Um, stays close to their spiritual father, and begins to actively support the work of his spiritual father. Wow. Do I need to apologize for that? I don't know, maybe you didn't want to hear that. But, <laughs> like, but there it is, you know, I, I'm not gonna skip over it, right? This son, stage three, begins to work in active support of his spiritual father in the Lord. And he, next point is, he lives in the hope and desire of his inheritance. He recognizes, he gets excited about the promises of God. He knows they're real and, and lets that really motivate him. God is good. So the next two stages are a little bit tricky to differentiate, okay? And so some people might have argued that really there isn't a differentiation here, but I'm just gonna give it to you. 
for the sake of you know organization and then um, you just do with what you think. So this stage four son, this is, this is, I love the wording of this, okay? This is a bit of an ouch, but it's okay, right? We can take it. This son exhibits a robust and consistent spiritual strength. Robust, a robust and consistent spiritual strength. Has the word dwelling in them in an abiding way that is consistent. And so they're able to overcome the enemy. Like David did, where he was able to encourage himself in the Lord, right? Amen. That was, that's a sign of maturity. That's what this is. All these stages are maturity as we're moving along the road. This son has a keen vision for the spirit of God. So all of a sudden, we're not just knowing about Jesus and the Father, but we come to have this understanding of the Holy Spirit and how he moves. This is actually a sign of maturity, not of flakiness, right? When you start to understand there is a spirit of God and he moves in a certain way. He sounds like something. His presence can be known. He's different than the father. He's different than the son. It makes sense, doesn't it, right? That when you start walking closely with God, you would, you would start to understand him to a deeper level. He's sort of saving the best for last, you know? That really sacred, everything about God is sacred, but that sweet place in him with the Holy Spirit, right? Only for those that are willing to go the extra mile with God. Hallelujah. And so this son is ready to claim victory over every obstacle. So for example, like the um, rich young ruler, where he said to Jesus, I have obeyed all these commandments knows the word and has disciplined oneself to actually do it. And this son learns to serve apostolic ministry. This son learns to serve apostolic ministry. It's part of maturity is to serve apostolic ministry practically and spiritually. So definitely in prayer, but in practical ways as well. Unlike the high priest and the Sadducees, for example, who were sons but didn't serve the apostolic ministry of Jesus, right? They were jealous, they couldn't get behind it, they didn't see the value, they just totally missed it, didn't get it. Not in the inner circle. And then this last one, stage five, you guys okay? Okay, this son is led by the Holy Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit. Not even sure if I can comment on that because not even sure if I'm doing that. Right. Right? Like, I think I am. Uh-huh. I think maybe. I'm trying. Right. You know, right. when I remember, <laughs> Lord, no, God's always with me, yeah. right? He's right. always leading. Am I yielding to that? Right. Okay? But definitely this son is way more conscious of his connection, right? Yeah. Conscious, aware, aware, aware. And this son knows internally that he is a mature son because he has a witness from his heavenly father within. Meaning like God told him, God said you are a mature son. Right? God actually talks like that. Right? I know like, I, you know, Dom will say this when he's 
you know, that through different seasons of his life that the Lord has called him different things. And they have like, um, you know, like a, like a level of authority, like captain, right? So he's, he's called him different things at different seasons, like the father has spoken those things, right? I mean, those are, those are like hardcore awesome. <laughs> hardcore awesome identity things. Anyways, this son demonstrates consistent submission and obedience to his spiritual father. This son excels in peace, love, and forgiveness, right? We got it down, right? We just walk in love. There's just no, it's just not worth it, right? Like, that's just like our go-to. It's not like something we have to force ourselves to do. We just, we just do. We just do, right? And this son is not offended by the discipline of his father, but receives it as a son who is loved and so produces much fruit in his life as a result, right? This son uh, activates his firstborn status. So there's an expectation there, right? He knows. It's kind of like I'm the oldest in my family and I have three younger brothers. And when we were growing up, I mean, there was just no point in them even trying to argue with me because I knew who I was. And they also knew who they were. And there was just no way. If I needed to activate my status, I would activate it at any moment. And they would just, you know, generally just yield and not say anything. Not so much anymore, which is a good thing because you're supposed to grow up. But, but definitely... You know what I'm talking about. If you're a firstborn, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're not a firstborn, you also know what it is to live with a firstborn, right? <laughs> so anyways, okay. Hallelujah. So, so why are we doing all of this? Like, you know, obviously the Lord is saying, choose. Maybe it's not obvious, but that is what he's saying. He's saying choose. 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 You can choose. You can choose to stay where you are, right? which I'm sure feels very comfortable where you are because I understand what that, okay, I get it. I, I heard a, a saying that says, life begins at the end of the comfort zone. Okay, and I hate that saying. So it's like, how do I know, Lord, if I'm, if I'm at the end of my comfort, if I maybe I'm just, probably I am if I'm asking. Maybe that's that hiding thing that Christian <laughs> was talking about. I don't know, but I know that if I go and talk to my father, he's gonna, gently illuminate yeah. Yeah. and unveil whatever's going on, right? Why would we, why would we hang on, right, to the peer? We, we know we all want to be out in the middle of the lake, right? That's where we want to be. It's where the fun is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So transformation is very, very important. It's important to God. It's what he's doing. If you hadn't noticed that, I'm sure everybody in this room has noticed it. You've probably seen it in the person sitting next to you, right? Wow, they're, they're not the same. They're so much different. You know, maybe you're seeing in your kid's behavior. You know, wow, transformation is happening. Praise God. It's ready to, you know, you can see it. So, so it's important to God, and it's important, therefore, to us because it's important to God, right? It's important that we choose. We don't want to stay where we are. It's not that God doesn't love us. It's not that he doesn't love us, he loves us. And you know, it says in uh, Colossians that we are, Colossians one, it says we're perfect, we're holy, we're blameless in him. 
We already are that, right? And I love in Jude chapter one, it says that it's his good pleasure to keep us from falling away. So we're thinking about these stages and navigating these stages and this transformation. Really God is just saying, let go, right? Let go of the reins, right? Stop holding on so tightly to what you think is right, okay? And trust that I will do this for you. It's not exactly like the lazy river, you know, where you just get on the raft and you just, no, okay? That's not what it's like. You have to actually apply effort, right? You actually have to work hard, hard work at the things that God has called you to, your gift set, not hard to be transformed. Work hard at your job, at your calling, whatever it is, right? That's a son is working for that, not for performing, right? Work hard at that and allow the Lord as you just let go, as we let go, right? As we stop holding on to what we don't want, right? right? We don't want that. Why would we choose that? It's just nonsensical, but we do, right? Because it feels familiar, right? It feels familiar. I'm remembering one time I was in Rama. This was a Rama that I was getting. And I had a lie that I believed about myself. And I really, really, really believed it. And, you know, Jesus often speaks in pictures, especially in Rama, right? And meditation. Anyway, so I say to Jesus, I invite you into this memory, and I ask him to tell me the truth, right? Am I really this thing, whatever it was, can't remember what it was. Like I'm not good enough or I'm not special or I'm not lovable or I could be any of those multitude of things, okay, that all of you maybe have experienced it sometime. But anyways, it was something simple like that and I could see, this is the picture that Jesus showed me. It was like he was trying to get me to believe the truth about myself. And in my mind, I could see like a funnel. And the lie I believe was like a patch of cement or gook or something on the inside wall of this funnel. And clearly I knew what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to say, you know, speak truth to me. Here you go, Jenny, the washing of the word. I'm gonna speak truth to you and it's gonna flush all that junk away. That deception, what you think about yourself is just gonna go so gentle and good, right? Except I was, I was wrestling with the Lord because I was so hanging on to the lie about who I am who I thought I was, right, that the picture changed. So literally I saw Jesus with a shovel, okay, trying to <laughs> remove this thing off the side of the wall of the funnel, okay? Okay, I get the picture, Lord. Forgive me. Clearly I'm hanging on to something that you are trying to get rid of, right? And so I, I repented and I chose that I probably don't know as much as he does, right? That there's probably something wrong with my seeing. The way I'm seeing myself is not accurate because Jesus is trying to say something else and I'm refusing. I'm hanging on to it. So of course, what do you do in that, right? You just repent and God just washes it away. It's really that simple. And so healing is very much incremental, right? Like one layer at a time. The only thing with God, though, is, 
You never know how big the layer is going to be, so you don't have to be afraid that it's going to take a long time because it might be one small layer, and then the next time, it's a huge thing that God changes, and there's a big shift that happens right away. That's, so good. that's, how, that's how he works. He knows exactly how to change us, how to transform us. And it's so, with so much wisdom, and so gentle, and it's so good for us. And there is fruit that comes from it. Yeah. So, so let's just repent right now, okay, in case you haven't repented, because it's always good to just have a clean heart. Okay, so Father, we absolutely say that you're awesome. You really are, Lord. You are the epitome of awesome, Lord God. Everything that awesome means, that's you, God. You're it, God. You're awesome as Father. You're awesome, Jesus, as our brother and Holy Spirit, as our nurturer, as our companion and guide. You're awesome. And we love how you work, Lord God. And of course, Thank you for pastors, Lord God. Thank you for them, Jesus, because we would not be here, Lord, without them. And we thank you so much for all that they've done to pave a road for us, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you that you take us by the hand and you make it possible for us to progress, Lord. And we just want to repent, Lord, just simply, God, where we have hung on to things that are not true, that orphan mindset, even though we know better now. But we're saying yes to you tonight, Lord God. We say yes, God. We, we want it, Lord, and we're willing to step out, Lord God, into that new land, Lord, where we'll find a, a truer rendition of who we are, Lord. And we know that we're hidden in you, and we're willing, Lord God, to go the the whole way with you, God. And we thank you for your word in Jude, Lord God, where you said it's your job to keep us from falling away so we don't take the strain of that or the, the toil or strive of that, Lord. And we just allow you, Lord God, you, Lord, to take us, to keep us, Lord God. Thank you that you're faithful to finish what you started in us, Lord. We just love it. It's great, Lord, to hear where our older brothers and sisters mature in the Lord have been, Lord God, those ones that have finished the race and they hit the highest mark of sonship, if that's even possible here on earth, Lord. And we just allow that to inspire us. Jesus, of course you are, yeah. Of course you're the highest example of sonship, Lord. And so we, we choose you, we choose your ways. We, we want to we just look so much like you, Lord God, that people say you smell different just like they told Trisha, Lord. That's how close we are to you. Thank you, God. So Holy Spirit, we just extend our hands. So everyone just, just do that. You know, just in faith, maybe, you, maybe you're uncomfortable, but just put your hands out and in faith, what do you got to lose, right? In faith, God, we thank you. We, we just extend our hands to you and we receive grace, Lord God. We thank you for grace, Lord, right now. Lord, to go from glory to glory as you intend, Lord God. And we receive an impartation from you, Lord God. Thank you for the good stuff that sticks, Lord God. Takes root and grows up in us. We love it, Lord. And we, we just bless you, God. Thank you, Father. Bless every single one here. Thank you, Father. If I could sing, I would sing a song over you that you know Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's what he's looking with eyes of love and, and great appreciation. 
You know, the sower sowed all that seed and only some of the seed produced. So Jesus knows that that means there's a whole bunch of people that are not gonna receive the truth. But then there's those where the ground is good and they've received it. And, and I see him just with eyes of love as he looks out over every single one of us and just is putting his hand of blessing on us and thanking us for choosing him tonight. So God, we just thank you for this amazing house, this amazing family. In Jesus' name, amen.